we co-developed People Fuel, a learning module, and it talks about three components, your emotional, physical and mental agility, and being able to diagnose when you're at you know, low points, high points of energy, understanding tips and tricks on how to fix some of those things, but also learning about reading that in others. Hello and welcome to the Leader Insights series, the platform designed to uncover the secrets to career and business success and gain real insight from inspirational figures across the food and drink industry. I'm your host, Jonathan O'Hagan, and I'm delighted that my special guest today is Julia Darville. Now, Julia is the managing director for the UK arm of Puratos, the 1.9 billion turnover global bakery ingredient supplier. After an early career within the drinks industry for the likes of Molson Coors and Britvic, Julia initially joined Puratus as the UK sales director in 2015. After three years of consecutive and successful growth, Julia was promoted to managing director and now leads the 120-strong UK workforce, setting their vision and strategic direction in the ever-competitive and evolving bakery ingredients arena. Degree qualified, Julia is also studying her master's in psychology with the Open University, And in this particular episode, we're going to discuss her keys to building highly engaged and motivated teams, her love for the industry and passion for creating greater diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Finally, we'll also talk about what Julia describes as people fuel. This is how leaders like Julia can help people sustain their health and mental well-being in turbulent times while staying highly productive. Julia, it's an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, good morning. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. It's an absolute privilege to spend time with you. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. Well, listen, good to see you. And yeah, thank you for spending some time with me. I've been really looking forward to chatting to you. Now, I know I've shared this with you before, but I'll say it again anyway. Around three years ago, I started to hear some really amazing things about this very authentic, engaging, inspirational business leader. And that person's you. So your reputation is clearly growing and getting out there. Are you aware of this positive impact you have with you know the people that work for you and people you work with? That's very kind of you to say. I I honestly, I don't think of it like that. I'd like to think that every bit of my success comes from the success of others around me. I've had a real, uh, really exciting couple of years actually building teams and their success is mine. So I'm not entirely sure that's all deserving. (laughs) Great. Well, listen, humble is probably one of the traits I'm already picking up from you, Julia. Listen, to begin with, for the uninitiated, give us a quick introduction, if you will, for Puratos. Okay, so as you said in your intro, a global conglomerate spanning over about 70 plus countries. Puratos' mission and kind of purpose or reason for being is to really set ourselves apart and grow our customers and their innovation with health and well-being being central to a lot of the things we do. I love most of all that we're part of this global network. So I can call upon uh, food trends in Japan as quickly as I can understand what a sourdough is from San Francisco. So it's a real it's a really fun place to be in right now food and industry this this food and drink industry is just fabulous Mm, it sounds it sounds and i know there's been a huge amount of innovation which you guys have been at the forefront through your customer base is that right 
Absolutely. And I think it's only going to get faster and faster. We're going to need as we recover as a nation. I mean, the way we have a relationship with food and drink in the UK is quite unique. We're incredibly diverse. We're also very fast moving and we're quite discerning as consumers, which I love because that keeps all of us on our toes. Mm, absolutely. And I don't want to dwell on it too much, Julia, but COVID, I, I suppose we can't ignore it. How has it impacted you, the business, the team? I think that's a good question. And I've listened to a lot of your um, previous podcastees talk about certain channels that have, you know, not had human traffic. And I think that's fair. That's affected business performance. But the thing that the business, uh, certainly UK um, team, have really resonated well with is how important innovation is and what you need to be culturally to be able to promote innovation. We've obviously been working different ways with different you know, facilities shut and restrictions in place. But it's meant that we still have to churn out that kind of inspiration for our customers so that when we can hit the ground running we can do it really fast and it's caused us to kind of fast track the agility in our teams and come together there's that human element that kind of mission and purpose is one thing but then the unity of being in crisis together has been really important and I'm certainly hoping that we sustain some of the changes we've made in our culture as a result. Mm, Yeah and I'd love to circle back on some of the positive kind of consequences I guess of this really turbulent time I'd I'd love to get your thoughts on that but as a previous guest said you know we've almost innovated the way we innovate you know speed process etc because that's been a way out of these really trying times hasn't it for a lot of organizations a lot of customers to just to innovate and bring forward their NPD innovation pipeline much further forward so yeah it's really interesting now in terms of your style Julie, your leadership style. One thing I've observed in the time I've known you is you really seem to dedicate a lot of focus on, I suppose, what I call the human element of business, you know, people. Would you mind sharing with us, you know, why is that? Why is that important to you? I think that's a great question. So we all talk about humanity or humankind. And I grew up in a family dynamic where even from you know, grassroots where humankind was something you could choose to be human and kind. So it's in my DNA. And I seek to promote that in ways that I can then link it to productivity wherever I am. So any organisation I've had the privilege of working for, I make it my personal mission to imprint upon the culture somehow. And having studied organisational design in the last couple of years, it's something that I think is central to the future of anybody's PL. If you really want growth and you want differentiation, how you do what you're doing and, and how you treat your people will be the reason that you get the very best talent in the future. Mm, yeah, really well said. And I, and I know you're an advocate of building, I suppose, a culture of trust, Julia. So again, share with us, if you will, your thoughts around, you know, why is building this culture of trust? Why is it so vital to successful business today? I think if you look at what's on the horizon for many leaders, CEOs, MDs, a lot of them will be talking about what the latest tech threat is or whatever geopolitical thing coming on the horizon. For me personally, and I think the organisation I I feel a a great part of with Puratos is geared to looking at cultures of trust that are empowering and really do promote innovation. If you trust a workforce and you move away from the slightly more, I guess, Wall Street approach, which is command and control models, if you enable your teams to feel part of something, to shape what they belong to and give them more freedom, they will in turn give you more loyalty. There's a huge amount of 
science being dedicated to this at this moment in time. And, and you mentioned in the bio, I read a lot about this, largely because I want to make sure I can imprint on things now that the next generation can then benefit from. It's not going away. And COVID taught us that. So COVID was an opportunity for us to work from home. The fluency of the working, you know, the work-life dynamic was transitioned literally overnight. And so that's meant people have had to rethink in their organisational processes how they measure success immediately. And that comes with wanting to put trust into people and then ask for more trust in people. I've had to share my living room space as a learning dynamic, as also my gym, as also, you know, it's been multi-purpose cave time. And same goes for that kind of transparency in trust that I've wanted throughout the pandemic. And that's just accelerated something that's going to stay with us post-pandemic for, for sure. Trust is central to people's productivity in the future. Yeah, absolutely. In the same way that we're talking about, you know, people have innovated the way they innovate. I think it's really sped up, fast forwarded some of these great qualities that we always knew were there, but now it's backed up through data, research, evidence that actually, yes, it's a fundamental part of, you know, businesses performing well. You know, it comes back to employee, high employee engagement and that sort of stuff. So it's good stuff. How can other leaders, Julia, in your opinion, develop the right culture. Have you got any examples you might be able to share with us of the sorts of things you do within Puratus to create this culture of trust? I think that's a really tough question in that I'd give you kind of three component answers. It starts with diagnosis. I would invite any leader at this moment in time thinking, yep, I totally agree with what you're saying, but how do I get there with understanding where you currently are? And one of the things we did even before COVID actually hit us, and we'll talk about people fuel in a moment, is really evaluate your culture. Give a, give yourself a cultural audit. It's so much more than putting things on your wall or setting out some kind of value or principle criteria. It has to be something that's beyond how happy are you tick box in an employee engagement survey. It has to be so much more than that. And we did a cultural audit in September 2019 as part of this kind of people-centric journey that we're going on. Uh, the second part of that is then listening and asking and observing. So go into a really deep observation mode to understand where are their pinch points where you could build more trust, perhaps even interdepartmentally. And the same goes for us with our global dynamic. We operate in a small, limited company locally, but we're part of an incredibly diverse and big, expansive family globally. And then I guess the second part is making sure you evaluate, are your measures of success correct anymore? So we often have employee engagement surveys, attrition targets, and all these kind of uh, relatively standard measures of success on how to measure a culture but I'm not entirely sure they're fit for purpose. And I think that then comes on to the third thing, which is look how good it could be. Do some research, do some science. Uh, after you've gathered your uh, intelligence on what you're learning or observing about your own team, have a look at what you think your organisation is going to be in five, 10 and 15 years time. And actually, if you're clear on your long range plan commercially, which I suspect most businesses are, and they have a strategy to match, then ask yourself how central human kind is to that and whether or not there are some gaps to plug and I suspect if you're really honest with yourself the answer is yes mm, I think that's so so key it's one of the questions I often ask you know how much of your growth strategy is focused on the people the, the human element of your business and, and I'm really pleased to hear and see that more leaders are focusing on this stuff but just coming back to one of your well the first point around listening I 
I think it's so key, isn't it? I don't know whether you'd agree, but there's not a one size fits all with this sort of stuff. It is often about, you know, every person is unique, every business is unique. And yeah, you found that quite powerful in terms of just taking the opportunity, creating the space to really diagnose and, and listen first. It sounds like that's been quite a powerful part for you. For sure. And I think we learned some things that we probably knew were there, but it's nice to have that grotesque mirror sometimes. Um, and I'll give you an example. We have a company purpose or a mission or a vision, if you will, whatever language you sit that sits well with you. That is essentially our direction. The map to get there being the strategy. One of the things that we hadn't foreseen was whether or not um, that was evolving during the pandemic. And of course, many organizations will have refined their mission or purpose. But we hadn't looked at how this would affect humans and people, whatever it is, COVID or not, everybody's personal purpose changes. I know that mine did the moment I became a mother, for example. My personal mission has to then become aligned to the company purpose in some way. And I will continue to choose or select organisations where I know my personal purpose matches a company purpose. And genuinely, that's why I work with a family organisation like Puratos, because their central focus in innovation in the UK at the moment is health and wellbeing. We've got things like childhood obesity that literally keep me awake at night. Um, I have an opportunity to work for someone who can change that, which is a real privilege. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a lot of talk around purpose at the moment, Julia. And I think perhaps in generations gone by, purpose has been something that, uh, listen, I'm sure it's always been there, but it's maybe been at the preserve of people who've made it in their career and then they've got choices to make. Whereas now I find it really great the way millennials Gen Z, they don't want to compromise. You know, it's actually not about, not saying salary is not important, but it's not the top of the priority list. You know, millennials and Gen Z and lots of other people now, they really want to work in a business where they've got shared values and this sense of purpose because we all, we all work long hours, don't we, Julia? It's got to be something more than just a paycheck at the end of the month. And I, I think it's a really interesting thing that companies, you know, can well, not start to think about, they already are, but do you know what I mean? Harness the power of that in terms of talent acquisition and all sorts in the future. But I, I know you've got some long range thoughts around, I, I suppose, the future and you mentioned children there. So in your opinion, you know, what does that value look like around jobs and what are people going to be motivated around, you know, our children, for example, in the next 20, 25 years time? Have you got thoughts around that in terms of what's going to motivate them? For sure. I'm very lucky that I have a, I live every day with a six and a nine year old who are full of, you know, optimism and all those wonderful perspectives that they bring. Um, and both my girls are part of an education system now where you have words like inclusion, diversity, health and well-being, humankind, those kind of, that kind of language is just part of their every day. And it certainly wasn't part of my education 35 years ago. And if you fast forward what they're being considering normal and comes part of everyday life and psyche, like yoga classes instead of PE, where I was climbing up ropes and, and feeling a total utter failure and a lump, then if you fast track that into the future, these guys are going to be coming, you know, uh, my, my nine-year-old is in 15 years time. She'll be very discerning about her selections. She'll be looking for things like language, like purpose and belonging. She'll 
she'll be looking for a total package. She'll be judging from the moment she's part of an acquisition, talent acquisition process, she'll be judging just as much as we will be as organisations. The, the balance of power will shift and we'll need to be attracting people in a total package, not just salary, as you mentioned. It will be about how are you going to make me mentally strong? How are you going to grow me physically? What are you going, what environment are you going to provide for me? And it will be about me and I've mentioned the me meaning that will be the me centric culture that then they will give a huge amount of loyalty to if they believe in something that's only going to become even stronger and more important that sense of purpose and we talk a lot at the moment about CSR a lot of organizations you'll see through the line advertising for all the major retailers everybody has their kind of corporate social responsibility platforms much of it's focusing on the planet and rightly so and I think that's brilliant I'm not hearing an awful lot on the human footprint I'm here a lot about carbon footprint. And so I, I think in the next five to 10 years, organisations have an opportunity to differentiate themselves with how they treat their people just as much as what they do to the planet. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's really powerful stuff. And I know there's some, some great initiatives, certain companies are trying like things like unlimited holiday and, you know, really maxing all out on things like dental, medical, et cetera, versus say a slightly higher basic. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out in terms of people's perception of what value looks like for them. Clearly the big one in the last 12 months has been, you know, arguably the freedom to work from home. I say arguably because it's not the case for everyone. You know, some people have uh, preferred to be in the office, but for the vast majority of people, they've really enjoyed the freedom to choose where they conduct their work. And as a result, their productivity has gone up. And companies as a result now clearly are, are taking action on that and building in new policies around where people can work, how often, et cetera. So yeah, the value is being, well, it's shifting all the time, isn't it? It's going to be a fascinating kind of next half a dozen years or so. Just one thing to touch upon before we get into people fuel, which I'm dying to talk to you about, Juliet, you went to the INSEAD business school, didn't you? Tell us a bit about that. What was it like? Would you recommend it to other you know, aspiring leaders? You know, how's it helped you, for example? That is a fantastic outfit of learning, if ever there was one. So we did a, a quite a bit of research before I went off to bridge the gap. Having come from marketing and sales, going into a more generalist management role, there were some blind spots. So things like some of my financial acumen or kind of operational experience was low in comparison. And the TGM course, the Transition to General Management course at INSEAD is first rate. I looked at about six or seven courses, but what's quite unique about INSEAD is the learning environment. So they bring together multi-industry, multinational groups of people, an amazing learning space actually, South of Paris in Fontainebleau and they invite people to a set of modules including organisational design and future planning for, for humankind which is very very impressive but they have a great faculty and it allowed me to build a bit more confidence when challenging some of my team on things that weren't necessarily you know part of my previous experience and I would absolutely recommend people do their research but do consider INSEAD how they learn and how they've put together that programme I genuinely believe is first rate. Mm. That's really good to hear. Interesting. Well, listen, let's get on to this thing you call people fuel, Julie, because I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated to uh, understand a bit more about it. So listen, explain the concept, if you will, and then we'll talk about how you've pushed it through Puratos and the benefits. So yeah, talk us through people fuel. 
So I work with a, a coach from Fabric Learning, a very wonderful man called Steve Vaughan, who actually challenged me on future-proofing building resilience. And this is long before COVID. So this was back in uh, summertime 2019. And we were getting to a place where if we're going to accelerate the agility of the team and demand more and, and just become more resilient, we needed to ensure that people had a better education of self. So we co-developed People Fuel, a learning module, and it talks about three components, your emotional, physical and mental agility and being able to diagnose when you're at you know, low points, high points of energy, understanding tips and tricks on how to fix some of those things, but also learning about reading that in others. And that's central to working as a really agile and fast paced team. I mean, fast moving consumer goods, food and, and drink holistically is very fast in its nature. Consumer trends come and go very quickly. And because consumers are demanding, retailers are demanding. To that end, being able to ask of a team something that's not just about more hours, it's about more efficiency out of the same hours was something that's very important to me. I don't believe in asking people to just work harder. I want them to work smarter. But to be able to work smarter, you have to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. And People Fuel allowed us to have a common language. So we launched it in September 2019 and we trained every single human in the business. It allowed new line managers and very well experienced line managers to have a platform to talk talk about with this common language. It's actually something that we've looked at kind of rolling out in other parts of um, our network globally, because I still believe that it's fundamentally about educating of self. If I had more time in my youth, uh, in, you know, if I could go back and tap on the shoulder and look at myself age 25 in Molson Coors, trying desperately to impress everybody, I would have wanted more understanding of my pinch points and when I have high, low energy, because then you make less mistakes, you increase productivity, you increase transparency transparency and just ultimately agility of anybody. Mm. And it sounds incredibly timely as well, Julia, if you were doing that in the what summer, autumn of 2019, before the world kind of caved in on itself with all things COVID. I mean, wow, the timing of doing this thing. I, I guess that's been really beneficial through the last 12 months or so, has it? It has indeed. And it, I, I keep coming back to common language, but it meant that people felt safe to practice certain changes. So one of the things that we talked about with physical in the physical module, if you will, is the ability to hydrate, the ability to sleep better. I run every Friday since we've been in lockdown nearly a year. I run myself. Everyone can join in on Zoom and we, we run a yoga session and I teach to try and get people to make sure they have that compression time that they would have spent normally in the car listening to the radio, missing that time and being very available and very present for your family, ensuring that you make that transition is very important to me. Because I know that if you invest in all those pillars in your life, you'll come back Monday totally refreshed. And we were starting in the first month of lockdown that people were um, getting a bit cantankerous, as I think we all did, getting used to sharing the same four walls in a very highly restricted environment. Having some ability to decompress with yoga was something I, I'm an advocate of. Mm. Well, I suspect now as well, Julia, you know, there's a lot of talk around pandemic fatigue, you know, and it's a real thing that I know business leaders, perhaps such as yourself, are really aware of. And perhaps this really combats some of that. But in terms of the output, what are the sort of benefits? What are the outputs you see as a result of some of this stuff then, Julia? 
I think that's a great question. And, and I would ask the same of any of my leaders at the moment is more measuring the time in and time out. So how much more productive we are in a pandemic at the moment, everyone will look at bottom line and where you're affected in channels. You can't necessarily measure whether somebody has had more or less impact. What I see is a more um, agile, more focused, laser focused team, a very united team that are supportive of each other. But we're not there to support each other only. Our purpose is to help our customers grow. I have seen a huge amount of innovation in the last seven months in particular, where our teams are feeling free. Uh, they have the right mindset. They have the right level of energy and that self-understanding to be able to promote and push themselves to go the extra mile for customers. And I've had a lovely couple of examples in the last few months, actually, which has come out of um, some fantastic retail launches where the feedback from customers is, whatever it is you guys have been drinking or doing during this time, we want some. And for me, that's the best measure of success is if you're seeing, if a customer can see that our teams are treated fairly, have been um, grown in the right way, then they're only going to get the very best of what they're capable of. And I'm very proud of our research and development team and the business development team. They have this fantastic gung-ho approach, but that comes from them feeling very comfortable with who they are, feeling safe to push and ask for help when needed. Brilliant. That's a really nice story. And I guess, I guess it's self-fulfilling to some extent as well, because it's infectious, isn't it? Positive people highly kind of productive people. It's self-fulfilling, whether it be customers or, or other colleagues. So yeah, sounds great. I mean, people fuel is obviously something you guys have taken a lot of care and attention to develop and implement, but are there any tips, you know, are there any tips you could offer up to help other business leaders or people improve their productivity without it being this, uh, you know, big sort of people fuel thing that clearly you've spent a lot of time developing other, any tips you can offer up in that regard? Yeah, I think it comes, I think it's a good question, Jonathan, because it comes back to observation mode. I would encourage, everybody likes to be asked how they are, but there's a difference between asking a customer, how you're getting on and what's costing you sleep at night? Because most of the time, a customer or somebody that works in your team will literally say, I'm fine. And we know what that four letter word means. But what's costing you sleep at night is how can I help you with that pain, whether it's, you know, this retailer needs this so much faster or I'm just struggling at the moment because my children are not going back to school yet or whatever it may be. I would say get into ask mode. Ask, asking and investing time in people will pay dividends. I ask of my team for them to change their measure of success in our week. We obviously talk about sales each week. We talk about profit each week and all the kind of, you know, the, the mega metrics you'd expect in a leadership team. But I also talk to them about how many, we talk about the pennies saved or pennies spent, how much time is spent. And that's not, I've spent an hour with this person, I've ticked a box. It's in that 23 minutes I spoke to that person, I learned these three things about them. And because of that, I now know, you know, gloves here or push there or ask more of them, whatever it may be. It's about investing time and changing your measure of success potentially. That would be my urge of anybody is it's not just about profit and loss. That's really interesting, Julie, because I think success and the definition of success, it has it has had to change for a lot of organizations in the last 12 months. Some businesses have not been able to trade at all. Other businesses, on the other hand, can't make enough product. <laughs> you know, there's been, I've never seen the industry so kind of uh, all over the place, really, in terms of success and troubles. So it's interesting that, you know, what does success look like has really changed for a lot of organizations.
terms of leadership, of course, I couldn't have you on the podcast, Julie, without sort of trying to nail down what good leadership looks like, especially in your opinion. So, yeah, give us some top line thoughts. You know, what does, in your opinion, good leadership look like? I think it starts with the words humility, determination and integrity for me. And they're central to my personal values. So I will always revere them in others, I suspect, and probably invite others to be that way. And the reason for that is the humility piece is being very aware consistently of your environment and those around you is the best way as a growth mindset personality is the best way to get innovation and new things. I can't possibly be held commercially responsible for all of my strategy for the UK because it didn't come from me. It came from the brilliance in the team around me and me recognising the brilliance and strengths in those around me. The same for integrity. I believe in doing the things we say we're going to do wholeheartedly. Otherwise, don't promise you're going to do them. And I do believe in modelling, not martyring. So I will always exhibit those behaviours personally because I want others to see that's the way we ought to operate. And I guess the last one around determinations, I came out 10 days early, Jonathan, so I'm always going to be impatient. And I, and, and I, think, that's, <laughs> I think that's something that it's always something people talk about as a weakness in patience. But a healthy balance of impatience is what perpetuates change or drives things. You know, wriggle in your pants kind of stuff as a kid. I haven't changed. Not one bit. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's this kind of, I'm a bit like that, Julia. If I get an idea in my head, it makes me restless. And I suppose it's that, I mean, we're, we're talking semantics here, but things like humility, it's about curiosity, isn't it? It's about that insatiable sort of need to, or the acceptance that actually it is about constant change and involvement. And it's an interesting trait that you describe it as impatience, but I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to get your thoughts, Julia, on keeping people motivated and committed in recent times, especially when we've all been working more remotely. What what are the things that you guys have done within Puratos to keep people really connected? I think that that had to evolve. As you mentioned, we've innovated the way we've um, been innovating. The use of digital media has had to become more creative to make sure the teams feel competent and connected. And we've gone from a cycle of kind of quarterly business leaders coming together, which was a way of doing things two years ago, to now having a much more intimate approach to how we connect and being very clear on the unity within crisis. So how we're all feeling something, one feeling, one team, one thing together has been really important. So we've been dialing into a variety of slightly creative uses of digital media. And, you know, many of your podcastees previously have talked about the play element of that with, you know, beers. Friday or quizzes or whatever it is, it's more important to me that the team are clear on the purpose and being very transparent about where we're at. We've had some tough times. We've had to overcome some um, interesting challenges as we've tried to meet the needs of our customers. And so the guys have had to feel part of the same purpose. And being reminded of that gives a sense of unity and belonging that I think has been central to mental health throughout. I'm very proud of how we've tackled mental health. I mean, it's the third most Googled thing at this moment in time after Brexit and vaccinations, which says a lot about how the British um, public are looking for stoicism desperately. And I think it's great to be part of an organisation that's allowed us to use digital media to stay really connected more intimately, more regularly. 
Yeah, I never knew that, Julia, but you're absolutely right. I think we all appreciate mental health and well-being as really under the spotlight at the moment, isn't it? And I guess how you, as a business leader, as an organisation, how we address that is going to be really, really important to you know, the next few years in terms of how successful businesses are. Interesting. And of course, yoga helps, Julia. <laughs> Friday, <laughs> Friday afternoon yoga. Absolutely. <laughs> and, the funny, and the funny thing about that is I remember having conversations with people who say, A, I'm not flexible and B, I'm not fit, mm. to which I said, me neither and me neither come. And we have a whole spectrum from our multifunctional spectrum, all shapes and sizes, all abilities. The most important thing is that we're doing something together. It's for ourselves. It's an investment that we know that we then give back more. And again, it's the decompression time to allow us to be highly present for our families. That means we then know when we return on Monday, we're totally focused. Yeah, great, great. Now, I've got a few questions for you personally. Now, Julia, if, if I may, thinking about COVID and the impact, what would you say you've learned about yourself over the last 12 months that perhaps you didn't know previously? Um, it comes back to the people fuel learning. In the physical module, I learned about how important it is to me personally to have that physical connection. I'm reading a great book uh, called Skin Hunger, which always makes it sound a little bit like Hannibal Lecter, but it's not. <laughs> it is about the dynamism and the chemistry that is unique to humankind. And I'm a person who likes to tigger or bounce around an organisation and I get a lot of energy from being in a room with others. And I hope so much I always seek to give it as well. That's very hard when you're restricted to a 2D media. So I've learned, I've had to learn to find different ways to fund that energy in the morning. And the same for some of my team that are very similar in their dynamic is trying to make sure that you learn a slightly more innovative way of getting out of bed with that perky tigerness and that determination when you haven't been able to see people for a week. Mm. I've got visions that you're just going to explode, Julia, once um, we're out of lockdown and we're back in, you know, in the regular pattern of actually seeing other human beings for, you know, because we're all craving that, aren't we? That inter, I know exactly what you mean. It's, you know, just getting energy from people. It's infectious stuff. So, yeah, I wish you well with when when we're out of lockdown and you're meeting, you'll have to pace yourself, (laughs) Julia, I think. (laughs) What, um, What are the unexpected positives you'll take away then? from this whole pandemic period are there any kind of really nice benefits well we touched upon it didn't we at the beginning yeah what what are the unexpected positives you think you'd like to keep and stay focused on I think there's a business one and then there's a more macro one so the business one is the humanity focus and the kind of well-being balance that we've managed to establish in the organization to promote that I guess we've found a sixth or seventh gear in each other I want to sustain and we'll need to be able to recover. Many of our customers will need us to be so much faster and stronger and they do and I'm seeing that very much in the last three or four months, that pace and urgency. So I'm I'm delighted. I hope so much that's what we want for the team. On a more macro level, one of I mention my girls often, but I I work in an organisation where health and wellbeing is central to our strategy and I work in a market where a third of our children are clinically obese and of 
of those, half of those children are morbidly obese. And I am just delighted that the pandemic has accelerated the British focus and government focus on certain platforms like that. It will allow people like myself and some of our competitors to be able to really push through some of the innovation that will safeguard health of the next generation. That's very important to me as a mother of two girls. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting stuff. And you, and you feel the pandemic is really, again, fast forwarded some of these initiatives and thought process and focus on this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just on physical health, we have so much about immunity and gut health to consider. There's so many things that we're in reaction mode as a nation now. And we're kind of, and we've done a very good job, I think, nationally with the vaccination programmes. It's building consumer confidence. But if we're going to look at it more preventatively in the long range, and you mentioned that kind of more visionary 10 to 15 year focus, the next generation is going to need us to act now on a number of things to make sure that we're physically stronger as a nation. Should something like this, God forbid, ever hit us again. Yeah, absolutely. What's your inspiration, Julia? What's your why to coin cynic? Ah, that's a good question. I would have said up until I was a mother, probably that kind of deep competitiveness that's been ingrained in me to be the best version of yourself, which uh, my parents taught me. But actually now as a parent myself, every day I am inspired by something one of my small poo bags would say. My uh, nine-year-old is what we would term neurodiverse. So she has different learning agilities to her younger sister. Both of them are truly unique in their outlook on life. But every single day they will find a way for me to reflect and challenge myself to do more um, and I'm sure there are many of your listeners that are thinking the same as parents or who have in their lives. Oh absolutely I'm just sat there thinking the same myself you know my children are similar age Julia as you know five and just about to turn eight and actually in the last 12 months they've just been that perfect antidote to those crazy days those pressures those moments of anxiety where they just bring you back down to earth really kind of make you well it's perspective isn't it they really make you think what's important and it's been as much as it's been challenging and any parent will know that it's been a perfect antidote to those you know really turbulent times in the last 12 months or so so I know exactly what you mean um so in terms of your career just finally Julie you've achieved a lot as we've discussed I don't know if you've thought about this, but what do you believe have been the keys to your success? Are there any traits, attributes that you think have contributed to, to your success so far? I think uh, the word curiosity you used earlier is, I would all, I've always said it's a healthy balance of nosiness. Being able to ask questions and ask for help is central to anybody's growth. And I was taught that at a very early age, having come as an expat child through an international community most of my life traveling, having to make friends and influence people quickly as a kid means you have to be able to ask lots of questions and challenge. And then the same goes for kind of business and, and growth in strategies. Being able to challenge and ask, why do we do it like that? And could we do it this way is something that you have to have then, I guess, courage to have to do. And I would I would genuinely say, like I said at the very beginning, I've been very fortunate to work for some really incredible organisations and with really interesting people. And I hope so much that my future self gets to continue to do that. I am a learning addict. So as long as I'm learning, I'm happy. Mm, yeah, good, good. And touching upon Puratus finally, what does the future hold? What's, what does the ideal look like in the next three, five years and beyond? 
I think from a um, local perspective, we're very clear, as we have been in the last five years, right-sizing our organisation for some very aggressive growth. But that comes with also how it's important how we do that. So we will grow organically and we will grow, I guess, through acquisition. And that's part of our strategy is to make sure that we continue to be at the very forefront of consumer insight. It's something that we spend more money in investment and time and energy in, in that intelligence part of the pipeline than any of our competitors. And I'm very proud of that. And I want that to continue, but I want that to accelerate in certain areas. And I mentioned health and well-being. That should be the thought leadership that we own unashamedly. Yeah, great. And I suppose finally, knowing what you know now, Julia, what would you tell your younger self in terms of career advice? Oh, I would say probably dial it back a bit is probably the politest way to say it. (laughs) Being aware of my impact on others is something that has not come necessarily naturally to me. Not everyone wants Tigger and not every occasion requires that. So having that humility, as I mentioned before, I would almost, I cringe at some of the examples I think back to where I will have been um, high energy, but not necessarily required. So I think I would love to go back and tap myself on the shoulder and just say, shh, listen and ask more. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. That's really good. Well, Julia, thank you so much. You've shared an awful lot. There's so much value there for people. And I I just love hearing about the culture you've created with Impurata, some of the principles you lead by. I find it really inspiring. I think that the human element you take to the business approach, I think it's really inspirational. So thank you so much for investing the time with me today. I know we're going to keep in touch. And yeah, I wish you, Purata, all the best for the future. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Julia. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you found this episode valuable. Now, whether you're a person interested in developing your own career to the next level, or perhaps you're a business leader who genuinely believes in the importance of hiring the very best people in the very best way, then you can always get in touch with me via the email links in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episode as it's released. Until next time, take care.